Hey there, friends and family. Thanks for joining me again. It's been probably a month and a half since I did one of these more informal Nielsen talk video things with the audio companion. So I thought we'd just do one of these and discuss some of the stuff that I've been thinking about that's been on my mind uh, with really the last month and change of podcasts and blog posts and those sorts of things. And one thing I wanted to talk about was actually Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Every year, I guess the last couple of years, I've done a Mr. Rogers week in my high school classes, my art classes and my character and leadership class. And we just spend a little bit of time looking at clips of Mr. Rogers, talking about the legacy that he created and some things like that. Because I think Mr. Rogers is a really incredible and inspiring person. And I think the TV show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, is one of the all-time great pieces of media ever created. Um, so we spent a little time looking at Mr. Rogers. And it's really interesting because a lot of my students don't know who Mr. Rogers is. Or some of them who... You know, had me in class last year, just know him from my class last year when we talked about him again this year. And it's crazy from someone from my generation or, or older that, you know, people don't know who Mr. Rogers is because he was such a seminal part of television and public broadcasting and television created for young people and those sorts of things. And I really enjoy talking about him in class and the messages that he provides. And his messages were kind of stuck in my head as I was sort of reflecting on the last month or so of stuff that I've been doing and the interactions that I've had with other people, either be it on a podcast or just interacting with people who maybe sent a message or something related to some of the media stuff, which I always really appreciate. And... The first thing that stuck in my head is a quote from Fred Rogers. And if you're someone who's not real familiar with Fred Rogers or Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, or if you are someone from around my age and you are familiar with Mr. Rogers, but you know maybe haven't revisited his stuff in a long time, I suggest going to YouTube and just searching for some Mr. Rogers stuff. There's so much stuff out there. The full episodes are on there. Um, there's best of compilations where you just see his little pearls of wisdom spread out. There's some great interviews. Um, I think, you know, there's one that I like that's called uh, Mr. Rogers Cool Dude. And it's an interview from him late in his career in television. Um, I think everybody should always watch his 1969 address to the Senate subcommittee. Basically in 1969. Funding for public broadcast television was going to be cut. And they had two days of hearings, the way that I understand it. And then Mr. Rogers came out to speak to the Senate subcommittee. And it's just one of the greatest examples of how to effectively communicate an idea with someone and share a pas passionate message. It's just amazing. So if you want to just watch one short thing that sort of encapsulates 
the message and spirit of Mr. Rogers and his ability to connect with people, I suggest just type in that 1969 Senate subcommittee hearing. If you type in Mr. Rogers Senate, it'll come up, but it's great. Uh, all those things. And then there's a documentary on Mr. Rogers, a feature length documentary that came out last year and is currently on HBO uh, called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And I really suggest that too, if you have access to HBO or know someone who does and can watch that, it's fantastic. And dives into his life a little bit and what he did with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and his work in public broadcasting. It's just fantastic. But the quote that stuck in my head was from Mr. Rogers, and it's in the documentary, and he says, Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. And I think that's such a true statement. And when I think of the things that I have the opportunity to do, write something or interview somebody or interact with somebody who's you know, read or listened to something I've created, that's always at the forefront of my mind is really just the notion of trying to put a little good, a little love into the world and what power that has. I think you know, Mr. Rogers nails it. It's everything's the love or the lack of it. I see that in education all the time. Students who are struggling, you know, maybe they're they're missing something. I tend to I tend to relate to like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is, you know, something that we learn a lot about in education and teacher education. Um, that it's sort of a pyramid of needs that you know, student has to have certain fundamental things, you know, met first. And those are the the basic things like survival needs, food and shelter and those sorts of things. And it works its way up to be, you know, things like love and a sense of belonging and those sorts of things. And if you don't have those base needs, then you can't reach things like self-actualization. And I think that's an important thing when dealing with anyone, whether I'm working with students or, or just considering my interactions with everybody is... You know, people are doing things a lot of times to, to meet their needs, most often to meet some sort of need. And that need for love is such an important one. And that's always on my mind as I'm working on things. And I had another experience just a few days ago uh, with my daughter, Claire, who's seven years old. And her great grandfather uh, just passed away so it'd be on her mom's side of the family and he lived to be I think he was 93 years old and you know lived a long and rich life but my daughter and son were with me um, when their great-grandfather passed away their mom's grandfather and she uh Mickey and Claire's mom called and was talking to them and Claire found out over the phone that their great-grandpa had passed away. And she's, you know, pretty emotionally in tune, I think. Um, I remember watching the movie Hachi, which you've never, if you've never seen the movie Hachi, uh, it's a dog movie and it's uh, about a, a relationship between a man and this dog. And it's, 
I won't get into all the details of the movie, but it's it's based off of a true story, and it's a tearjerker, you know, like a la Marley and Me type of thing. Um, but I remember watching that with her, and she, man, it was you know a few years ago. I doubt she was you know more than three years old. She was young, and sitting on the couch, and her sitting next to me, and there's a sentimental scene where essentially this dog is waiting for the owner to come back and has been waiting for a long time. The owner passes away and the dog sits and waits and waits. And there's a scene where you see the dog there and it's kind of your moment in the film where you're realizing that the dog has been waiting for years, which is based on this true story. And I didn't know if... I didn't think that part would register with Claire at three years old or however old she was because they don't really explain it deliberately. The The wife who's widowed comes back and sees that the dog is still there. And I felt her, you know, crying, sitting next to me, you know, felt the kind of sobbing and, you know, looked down. And um, so I just always feel Claire's sort of had this, you know, deep sort of sense of emotion. So when she found out the other day that her great-grandfather had passed away, uh, she started crying. And, you know, so I go over and, and give her a hug, and I'm trying to comfort her. And we have, you know, we just talk a little bit. And I don't claim to have any answers or claim to do a great job parenting or anything like that. But I try to talk to my kids in a way that's straightforward. I guess I talk to them how I talk to most everyone. So we had a discussion about, you know, one, how her great grandpa had lived this long life and, and got to have kids and grandkids and great grandkids and things like that. And we also talked about how everyone dies. And that's a reminder that it's so important to do the things that we love with the people we love. And, you know, we had that conversation and... Claire felt pretty good about it, but she sat down on my lap and she just wanted to be held and, you know, nuzzled in her head there and was still crying. And then I asked her if she wanted, if there was anything else she was thinking that she wanted to talk about or if she just wanted to be sad for a while. And she said she just wanted to be sad for a while. So we just sat there and I snuggled with Claire and uh, sang a little Mutineer by Warren Zevon to her. That's kind of one of our songs. And just sat there for a bit until she was feeling a little better. And again, I don't, I don't know that I handled that perfectly. That's sort of the thing with parenting or teaching or anything where you're interacting with other people is we don't know if we're doing it well at the time. Hopefully there's a payoff 20 years down the road, but I don't know if that's the best way to handle it. I don't know if it's the best way to, you know, talk to my children where I'm, I'm very honest with things that I, I don't sugarcoat them, that everyone does die. And what does that mean? And those sorts of things. But 
after Claire got feeling better and kind of went back about her business bouncing around the house as she usually does, it was, you know, one of those nice things. And Claire's always very sweet where she'll come up and just out of the blue say, you know, dad, I love you, those sorts of things. And she said it a lot that night. It was just love you, dad. And of course that always makes me feel good. But that made me think of another quote from Fred Rogers about love. And I have that one jotted down just so I can quote him accurately. But he said, the greatest thing we can do is let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. Love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. I think that's just another beautiful quote. Fred Rogers had hundreds of beautiful quotes like that. But that was on my mind when talking with Claire is, you know, as a parent, it's parenting's this messy thing and there's so much going on and you don't know if you're handling a situation correctly or not. But I always try to go back to just this idea of making my children feel loved and making them feel accepted as they are. And I try to do that in my role as an educator as well. You know, something that I try to convey, I tell my students directly and I try to convey to other teachers if I'm having a discussion with someone is I think before anything else, before any learning can happen, students need to feel safe first and foremost, because people can't learn if they don't feel safe in any environment. And safety means a lot of things. It means physical safety, but it also means emotional safety, that they feel they have a safe place. That's the first thing I try to do in my classroom is I try to create a culture or a vibe that when a student walks in the room, there's a certain feeling. And the second thing is students have to feel cared about or loved, if you want to use that word. And I think, you know, if students feel safe, they can learn. If they feel cared for, they will learn. They'll go to bat for somebody that they can tell cares for them. And education is another thing that's messy. And I know I've made a lot of mistakes with my children as a father and with my students or my athletes where sometimes you push them too hard or sometimes maybe don't push hard enough or you're trying to motivate one student in a way that doesn't work very well for that student. It works better for another student or even for my own kids who have different personalities. And it's a messy thing, but... That's why I like that quote from Fred Rogers so much is love isn't a state of perfect caring. It's this active, ongoing thing. And that's just such an important thing to remember. I always think about that when I'm creating some media stuff. And when somebody contacts me, um, I had a piece that came out, I guess, a week ago uh, in the Elephant Journal sort of a guest piece separate from just my website, talking a little bit about some of the things I've gone through with health struggles and things like that. 
the piece is titled Wildfire, and it's basically the idea of sometimes through our greatest struggles, then we can generate new growth, like a wildfire that sort of cleans a forest of the debris and lets new growth happen and, and lets the strongest, healthiest parts uh, thrive and grow. And it's, I always appreciate when people, you know, send me comments. I'm never very good about uh, getting attention for myself or that sort of thing makes me uncomfortable a little bit, but I'm always very appreciative. And, you know, when somebody says something complimentary, I always think that I'm not doing anything real, you know, earth shattering or that I've just been so exceptionally lucky in my life to have love in my life from my parents and my extended family. You know, if you, if anybody ever wants to see an example of just love personified, they need only come to one of my extended family functions on my mom's side of the family. It's just, uh, there's so much love. It's palpable. It's in the air. It's, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles hugging each other and, um, you know, just supporting each other. So I think that's something I've always been around. So I always just consider myself so fortunate that I, you know, this is, I've had so much support and so much love in my life. And some people don't have those, uh, that sort of love available to them all the time. And I, you know, also had a couple conversations with people recently who are maybe facing a challenging time because I, I talked about that a lot or I've had people on the podcast who've talked about going through challenges and then it's always you know very nice and very humbling when people share their stories with me of some of the struggles that they've faced or some of the struggles that they're currently in and again I you know I feel I, I never really have any great advice and I I don't pretend to have any answers but one thing that I do think is, for me, when I was maybe in my lowest points of having health problems, going through divorce, those sorts of things, was the importance for me to put love into the world. That became such an important thing to me. Just put any positivity into the world. And that was one of the more challenging things when I was physically sick is going to the doctor and when we had kind of ruled out that, you know, I, it wasn't a life-threatening thing that I had, um, but was going to be sort of a difficult road maybe back to uh, a place where I felt good physically. It was always, you know, I would be kind of, I got to a point where I was kind of pushing doctors and I would see another doctor, another specialist, and, and trying to push the issue. And one of the things that always motivated me that I felt, I didn't probably do a good job conveying to certain medical professionals, but I felt that maybe wasn't always understood was that I have two kids and hundreds of students who deserve me at my best. And if I don't feel well, it's hard for me to give them my best. They're not getting my very best. And that was a big driving force for me was that like these they deserve my best, the, the best effort that I can give them in classroom or at home with my kids. And to me, my best is trying to put some love into the world. And that's, you know, really where all this media stuff sort of 
stemmed from. You know, that was sort of the, the focal point was I felt like that was such an important thing just to do as a person, to use whatever small abilities that I had to try to contribute something of value. But also, it was a healing thing for me. I think, you know, if I hadn't, if I didn't have my own children or my students during those really tough times, it would have been a lot darker. It would have been a lot more difficult. So again, I just think I've been exceptionally lucky because I... I had and have a career that I love and I have, you know, children and being a father is the most amazing thing in the world. So I I felt like, you know, that was always there. That was always still a motivating factor for me and a comforting thing for me. And that's something I guess I try to convey to people if I do talk to them about struggles that they're currently in is I don't know if it works the same for everybody, but for me, the idea of doing something positive, sharing a sense of love or caring with other people is very healing and that love comes back to you. When you put love in the world, it comes back. You know, I think of, I mean, with my own children, I, like I talked about, you know, Claire will do that all the time, you know, just randomly come up and say, love you, dad. And those sort of beautiful things that, uh, I try to hold on to cause I'm sure they won't always be there as she gets older, but, uh, you know, have them now. And those things are really meaningful to me, but also like with my students and I think I've written about before, but you know, I have a poem framed uh, on a desk in my house that a student wrote for me. That's just a beautiful poem and it was very kind. And it's something that was very meaningful to me when the student gave it to me. And I will still look at it and read it when I need a little pick me up, a little boost. And, you know, I have several things like that. I have, you know, uh, I, up in that same desk, I have a letter from a student that a student had written to me when, uh, you know, he was graduating and some different things like that. So I think I'm very lucky in that sense. You know, I don't think a week probably goes by or, you know, rarely a week goes by that I don't have a meaningful interaction with a student or a former student, you know, just via text message or something like that. So that's something that I I just believe. I've seen it myself that if you put love out in the world, it's going to come back to you. And for me, that's such a healing thing. If you are somebody who's in a dark place or you're going through challenges, in my experience, that's the best first step is just to try to put something positive out there and I think it comes back around. And anytime I do any of this stuff, I'm sure there's a lot more things that I could do to try to promote it on social media or do things like that. But that's never really my goal. And I don't want that to consume the majority of my time. I want to use the majority of my time doing, you know, being in the moment. Whether I'm teaching, I'm focused on teaching. If I'm with my kids, I'm focused on being a dad. And when I do these extra things, I'm focused on creating the content and creating the message. And I, you know, I don't want my focus to be marketing it, you know, and that's something that 
comes with the territory a little bit, and I'll be doing more when the book and things come out. But the focus for me is always, if I can improve one person's life by 1%, I feel like that's a life worth living. That's a, a life you can sort of hang your hat on. And that's just sharing a sense of love. So I guess I'll, I'll wrap up on that. Uh, this is sort of a, a rambling musing of sorts, but that was sort of on my mind. And these little Nielsen talks give me a chance to just sort of riff a little more informally. But I guess my message to everybody and kind of where I like to use these to kind of set the focus for the next several things that I'm writing. I always have several blogs and uh, you know, a couple of podcast ideas and stuff set up in advance that be circling around to. And that's really going to be some of the focus going forward. Really, I think since from January up to now, it was kind of a focus on diving into a new year, diving into a new experience, how to start some of those things, how to jump in with both feet, how to get over some of those initial fears, because that's kind of where, you know, my head is at, at the beginning of the year. And then really some of the next several things we're doing, just sort of where my thoughts and feelings go, is looking at this idea of the things that we love and things that are meaningful. And uh, that'll be some of the content going forward. So if I have anything to share here, it's, you know, dare to love yourself and dare to love others. I think that's a tough thing too and. You know, even Fred Rogers says, you know, love is at the root of everything, love or the lack of it. Sometimes that can be the hardest one. I know I've talked to people who, you know, have been struggling with depression and things like that. My brother Logan's been on the podcast a couple of times and that has led to some, you know, conversations with other people dealing with depression and things. And, and a lot of times those people even, the people that I've talked to, know that other people love them and they understand that in an intellectual way, but they're, they seem to be, and I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a mental health professional, but as we have a conversation, it seems to be more of a trying to learn to love themselves and love who they are, the way they are. And that doesn't mean having to be satisfied with where they are, but just opening themselves up to loving who they are. And that can be a really hard thing to do that. Sometimes that can be the hardest thing to do. And, you know, Fred Rogers always shared that message that I like you just the way you are. We even talked about in my classes, how sometimes that message took a little heat in later years when people thought, well, you know, this is the thing that's, you know, this is one of the things that's led to every kid getting a medal and, you know, and everybody feeling like there can't be winners and losers and whatever. And I don't think that was Fred Rogers' message. I think Fred Rogers' message was, because Fred always spoke openly and honest about things. He spoke about death and um, divorce and all these challenging things to children directly. So I, I, my interpretation of the message was, I like you just the way you are because you're okay the way you are. 
You're worthy of love just the way you are. And, you know, I always, the way that I try to frame it to my kids and my children is everything that you need to be who you want to be and do the things you want to do, everything you need is already inside you. Now, you might have to work to bring those things out. You're going to have to work to develop those things to get the things that you want in life. But everything you need is already in you. And no one has a right to make you feel less than the incredible person you are. That's the way that I try to frame it. And I think if we can focus on that, on, you know, loving ourselves in a way that's, you know, positive and healthy, loving others. So that's sort of my ending message is dare to love yourself, dare to love others, dare to put a little love into the world and it'll come back. So that's enough rambling from me. I appreciate you checking it out. Um, We'll roll out some more content content next week again. Got some blogs coming up and podcasts and things like that. So thank you very much.